time. W-E-B-Y, Milton, Pensacola. And we have, we have the men's final four beginning tonight. This is Sports Call. Welcome to Saturday, everybody. We made it. And it's all, it's awesome that we made it. Justin, I was waiting for you to chime in like you yeah. always do. We made it. It is Saturday. We have Ren next to us. And, you know, as always, it's Saturday. It's an Easter weekend, but not only that, it's a final four weekend. Typical that we'll have the Final Four be in the early days of April. It's no surprise there. But, hey, basketball's going on, and MLB baseball is back. M- oh, my God. M- MLB baseball is back. But not only that, so everyone knows I'm a Rays fan. I never hide that. That, that That's just deep-rooted inside me, and I'm never going to shy away from it. The Rays are sort of back to where they were last year like in the last game where they just could not hit the ball. They, it just disappeared, but pitching kept us in the ball game. That's exactly what we have seen so far in the first two games against the Miami Marlins. We won the, the first game one nothing off a home run by Austin Meadows, and then Austin Meadows comes back yesterday and hits another home run, currently on pace to hit 162 home runs. Oh, Wow, which would be stat. which would be a record what of all records. <laughs> and then it wasn't even Austin Meadows. It was good old Joey Wendell hitting a three-run home run to give the Rays the lead in the ninth inning with one out, and we end up winning 6-4. to four. And I was actually at Seville last night at a concert. First concert I've been to in a very long time, thanks to COVID. Good Saw play. the Molly Ringwalds. The Molly Ringwalds are at- so stinking good. That's my mom's Justin, favorite. Justin, Justin saw a Molly Ringwalds concert with me one time. Dude, I love the Molly Ringwalds. There's, I did not know they were in town. They were in town yesterday, no. and uh, it felt so good to do these kinds of shows. And by the way, I, I haven't been vaccinated yet, but I'm getting my vaccine on Tuesday. I'm very excited for that. So it feels like normalcy is starting to come back. We're not there yet, but it's starting to get there. But I went and saw the Molly Ringwalds last night, and... I took a moment to kind of step away because it eventually gets so loud. You know, I took my buddy and I went to the bar to go grab some drinks and a separate bar in Seville and the Rays game was on and I'm watching it. Joey Wendell is up in the bottom and the top of the ninth and they're down by two, two men on. He's at bat. He's over three on the day. And I'm just sitting there I'm like, he's due. He's due. I know it. He like, he's going to come through with a big base hit. And then we get our beers and we had to walk away to get back to the show. Like, not even a minute after I walk away, he hit the three-run home run. So I missed it by that much. But still, I'm happy that it happened regardless because then my team went on to win. So well, go Rays. They're 2-0 to start the year. Congrats with your uh, team winning. I know my Reds, they lost in an 11-6 uh, upset to the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals. And, um, That's my team. Louis Castillo, our ace, quote-unquote ace, Trevor Bauer being our ace last year. 
who he pitched pretty good uh, last night with uh, his Dodger debut. Yeah, five. Uh, a- he, he got he got hammered there toward the end of his appearance, but he started on five straight hitless innings. But uh, Trevor Bowden now with the Dodgers. Lewis Castile resuming his ace position that he once was two years ago. Ten runs, eight of them earned, and that was only in, I believe, three, I think three and a half, 3.2 innings of work, I think so. Uh, let me check that again. Well, yeah, no, 3.1, actually. And uh, allowed eight hits, two walks, and no strikeouts, and allowed a home run. No strikeouts for Luis Castillo, very rare, especially with the changeup that he usually produces during games. So my Reds off to a, a classic Cincinnati start. You know, uh, yeah, and that's and that's one of those things where that's why it's 162 games. You can get swept in the first series, but then something will click and you turn it around. And that happened to the Rays a couple years ago. You know, horrible start to the year. Something clicked in the earlier part of the season. They started going on a win streak. And we made it to the playoffs. It wasn't last year. Last year we were good from the get go. This year, the Rays are projected to win 85 games, and right now, I'm I'm like. You know, I'm cautious with this because it's a long season. Anything can happen. You can start hot and then fall apart in, a, in just an instant. I'm going to hold off on saying that the Rays are on are like trending back to the World Series, but for right now, off to a good start. I, I, I want to make it known. I sort of hate the Dodgers, and I don't want them to be back in the World Series, but they're a damn good team. I kind of I kind of take this 10, 10 games at a time. So let's 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 think about it this way. The NFL, before going into now what will be a 17-game season, played 16 games. Yeah, we're, and we're going to definitely get into more of that yes. later. It's going to be, they usually played 16 games a, a year. So I take this and you play, divide 162 by 10. Well, you're going to have 16 point, I think like zero, something, something, something. But still, I take this 10 games at a time because I look at each of these games as a week work as I would in the NFL, basically. You know, because one game is such a small part of the year. It literally is just its so minimal. Ten games, though, that's basically a whole week of the NFL. That's going to be a, a huge part of your record. So I usually take this ten games at a time. So really my whole opinion on the season right now still is developing. We still have probably two weeks before I can actually have any sort of opinion on what this season may actually be because that's baseball. Simple yeah. as that. And so speaking of baseball, I do want to go ahead and dive into this. So MLB decided to move the All-Star game from almost called Turner Field. It's not called Turner Field. It's but it's there and I think they already changed the name like two or three times now. But it was supposed to be played at Atlanta's new stadium just north of Atlanta. Actually I I've I haven't been to the stadium inside the stadium, but I've been to the battery where the stadium is. And it's so nice. Like there's a lot of cool things over there. One of my best friends lived like right next door to it, so we'd walk over there and hang out. Lots to do. And that's sort of what baseball parks are becoming known for now is you know, more than just the baseball park itself. There's a ton of activities around it. And that's certainly the case for this place, the battery. So it was supposed to take place over there. Well then recently in Georgia they changed voting law standards. And I have not read the entire bill. And it did pass, by the way. Yeah. I did not read the entire bill, so I can't sit here and tell you exactly what it's all about. But the way they are wording it is that the law is like Jim Crow era-esque, which you know essentially was the time separate but equal, yeah. which really wasn't equal at all. I mean, historically, white people have had a whole lot more good things while the black people got the shortest end of the stick possible. That's They're, they're comparing this law to the law that used to be during the Jim Crow era. And so there's now a big push to remove businesses 
away from Georgia. And there's a ton of businesses in Atlanta alone, like Coca-Cola and Delta. Those are some of the biggest industries in the world, and they're based out of Atlanta. It's actually uh, funny you mentioned Atlanta. My parents are in Atlanta right now. And so um, it's kind of curious to see how things actually go about with this, though, because uh, you know that they move the all-star game, of course, with, for, with the MLB. Yeah. Um, and and we don't know where it's supposed to go. I know next year they're planning on it being at Dodger Stadium. And the All-Star game was supposed to take place at Dodger Stadium last year, but they didn't have the All-Star game. So then do you move it back to Dodger Stadium? I mean, you have plenty of time to figure this stuff out. They, we, we were literally day two in the season, and it was announced that the MLB All-Star game is going to be moved. And the reason why this is also a big issue is that they fear that, you know, going back to the Jim Crow era-esque uh, 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 law, they're fearing that this new Georgia law uh, may potentially restrict voting access to people of color. And just off the top of my head, what I know about this law is that you're not allowed to cater to voters while they're in line. So you can't go and offer them food. You're not allowed to offer them uh, drink other than water. Like you can have water fountains. I believe you can have bins that have water bottles in there. You can go up and grab a water bottle and get back in line so you can vote. But there are certain restrictions that are taking place. I think in the whole grand scheme of it all, this 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 law was not made for the specific purpose of being racist. Yep. It was meant to make the voting process a little, a little bit more tight-knit was the mindset in going into this. However, the fear is because of this, there are people of minority who already have a difficult time getting to the to the va- uh, ballots, now it's more difficult for them is what is being stated. And so now they're saying that this is a racist law, and now whoever does business in Georgia needs to pull out. Otherwise, you're essentially supporting that voting law. It, it's ridiculous, really. I really yeah. do believe it's ridiculous. Uh, personally, I, um, the friends that I have that live in Atlanta, all of them feel like this is ridiculous. And the uh, Atlanta Braves, of course, feel like this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's because um, here's the thing. I've said this many times, and I'll say it again right now. I do not like politics and sports being involved with one another because they are whole two separate worlds, in my opinion. Yes, Atlanta Braves, they are a huge they're a huge part of Atlanta. They're a huge symbol of Atlanta, just like the Hawks are. You know, so but I feel like the, the whatever's going on with the government and when it comes to the state of Georgia has nothing to do with yeah. the team itself or either of those franchises that go on there. It doesn't go it doesn't matter if any of the businesses that go on there, like Coca Cola, they have an aquarium, a zoo, uh Top Golf is also there. Uh you have the Cultural Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's also there. You know? That's another reason why I'm really jealous my family's in Atlanta right now, because they're getting to watch uh, my nephew Eli play. He's playing at perfect game right now, which is like all AstroTurf fields, by the way. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, those are weird. Yeah. Uh, and they get so hot during the summer. They do, they do. But I'm pretty sure it's nice weather up there. So that my parents are there seeing my uh, brother and nephew and niece and my sister along, you know, and watching them get to play. And then I was also kind of jealous I wanted to go to the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's like a bucket list. It, it's, it's really it, cool. It's a bucket list. Have mine. you been there? No, I it's haven't. Cool. It's a bucket it, list. It, there's, like a, there's like a 30 yard field. Field with a field goal post, yep. and you can kick field goals. That's why I heard. That's why it's I, fun. I was looking into it yesterday. I was like, you can, you can my my, my first goal. attempt, I I shanked it right off the upright. Really? First attempt, I hit the second one, but I, the first attempt love, right off the upright. I would love to take a Cooper you and there. Cooper would be in. Yeah. It's fun. It's very it's it's very interactive. And I've been both Hall of Fames. The original one was in South Bend, Indiana, uh-huh. and I've been to that one a couple of times. 
And the last time I went was like last year they were having it and they were already like semi moving stuff out. Yeah. Was the last time I was there. And then I went the first year it was in Atlanta I and think, it was just really cool. I think I might take a trip to Atlanta this like this sometime this year, probably like around June or whatever. It's one, not hard. Around just, my birthday. just hop in yeah. the car and go. Yeah. That's probably what I'll do just because like there's a lot to, a lot to do there. You know, so a college football hall of fame and top golf are like two things on my bucket list that I've always wanted to do. Uh, but anyways, going back to the whole voter laws, I don't why the Braves have every right to be dis- disappointed in the MLB. The MLB, MLB should not punish the Braves for this. Yeah. This, this, this they had literally no decision over this. They had no opinion over this. And they can't help the fact that they've been based in this city for however many years now. I mean, the Braves have been an organization for what fifty plus years, I believe. So you can't you can't blame them for that. And then just what what party rolls through and what law rolls through rolls through and what bill gets passed in the government they there's no no control over them for that so why are they being punished for it by the MLB yeah. and you know the Braves came out with a statement and said we're deeply disappointed by the outcome naturally because they can't help they didn't pass the law yeah the businesses that are in Atlanta or anywhere in Georgia I know we're focusing on Atlanta because it's it's the capital, it's, yeah. it's the hub city, it's whenever you think Georgia a lot of times you think Atlanta if that's where you want to go and also when you fly there it's the busiest airport in the United States, right. if, with with exception to London, perhaps the world. And they're saying, we are disappointed because we had nothing to do with this. The businesses that are in Georgia, they had nothing to do with this. And so now people are boycotting Georgia businesses. And again, we had nothing to do with this. Like we, But we are being punished because our, we are, are simply in the state where politicians passed this. The citizens didn't even get to vote for this. This isn't our fault. And so now the MLB, which, by the way, does have every right to pull their business out of Georgia if they want. That's exactly what they decided to do. It's still you're punishing the Atlanta Braves now because and you're punishing the fans that live in Atlanta who got to who got to do this. There are people who live here who are die. We have a ton of Braves fans here. There are people that live here who are now being punished, who wanted to go see the All-Star game. They, this was their best chance at seeing the All-Star game. Justin Rayleigh's probably one of them. Yeah, our, our, yeah, our good, good friend Justin. Good yeah. friend Justin. He's a friend of the show, been on many times. Yeah, I and mean, he's a huge Braves fan. I, I, I'm almost certain he probably had some sort of plan to try and go to this game. It, it, I think it's just one thing after another with this year and then 2020 with politics, getting involved with sports, and I hate it. it it's just because this isn't sports. This is not what sports are meant to be. The Braves had no control over this. The All-Star Game is something that is symbolized as a time to celebrate the great players that are going on right now in the MLB and then also showcase their talents with the Home Run Derby. I mean, it's something that shouldn't be frowned upon and something that shouldn't be moved out for what's been... These contracts are signed, I believe, yeah. what, five to six years in advance, I think. I know the Reds, you know, they had their All-Star Game in 2018, 2017, I believe it was. They had the All-Star Game in Cincinnati, and, you know, it's... These are big moments for the city because they prepare for ever since they find out about the contract, they're preparing. They're preparing and preparing. And now it's what, I believe, probably about three to four months away. And now it's just been taken away from them. All the preparation they've put into this. It's kind of like the Olympics in a way, not as big, of course, but there's a lot of preparation that goes into it and takes a lot of time to prepare for. So, of course, we're seeing many people comment on this a lot of uh, rather democratic leaders are saying you know they completely support this move president biden said he supports this move former president trump obviously does not support this move really no surprise there 
Uh, this and uh, just kind of go ahead and put politics aside. Although it's kind of hard at this time because this is a completely politics-driven topic. Uh, I I don't support this move as a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. I. But also I say that cautiously because I don't have a full understanding of what exactly this bill does. And also I know what the concern is. We aren't even in election season. Does this actually restrict voting access for people of color? That's the fear. And I guess that's one thing we'll have to find out. And if it does, that law needs to be changed. Every person, no matter what their uh, their ethnicity is, they deserve equal voting access to the polls as long as they are an American citizen. So that's where I stand on that. Uh, I, I think the decision just to pull it out of Atlanta, I, I think that's that's jumping the gun so fast. But we're also in a time where a lot of things are getting canceled. And I know there's a pushback against people who claim cancel culture. You know, the the people who push against cancel culture are now getting pushed back against because it's, it's a two sided story and it's not going to get solved overnight. And it's it's very frustrating for those who are just trying to sit back and enjoy a good baseball game and or anything that's getting removed yeah so uh and that's why i love shows like south park by the way who literally make fun of every side and and it's so down the middle that people who are trying to stay out of that they enjoy that stuff because they're poking fun at the people who are taking things so damn seriously and whenever south park gets back to doing regular season stuff i have a feeling they're going to dive deeper into the cancel culture and whatnot but uh i'm gonna go ahead and kind of get away from that but it, it, did, it did deserve mentioning that yesterday it came out that the MLB is going to move the all-star game uh real where, where do you think it's going to go I would make a push for St. Pete just because I am a Rays fan but that stadium is not good no. that stadium is oh, not man. good for an all-star game festivities it's not good for the home run derby there's gonna be too many people hitting balls off the C rings and the D rings and the roof all that so the the the, the Ray Stadium until they get a new one, which Lord knows when that's going to happen. Can't they're do, not going to be hosting any All Star games. They can't do Miami again because Miami was what just three years ago. I yeah, it was very, and that was a great All Star game. Oh, it was awesome. There was like no. ten home runs in the All Star game. And the alone. home run derby was fantastic. Aaron Judge and then um, oh well, only to get beat out by the next year when Pete Alonso yeah. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went at it. That yeah. was awesome. That was a incredible home run derby, but. Also, um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I, I believe they want somewhere with more of COVID protocols are a little bit more open, I believe. So. Yeah, it's hard to do California right now because maybe, L- maybe LA is supposed to be next year. The Rangers? Globe Life? Globe Life. It's a brand new stadium. You know Globe Life would make sense. You, I think you're on to something here. Globe Life would make sense, but I think they're already scheduled for the future. I think they are already the all-star game in like two or three years. Let's see. I'll you know what? Yeah, let's look it up while, we're, while it's on our minds. Because uh, this is the glory about radio. Sometimes we'll bring up stuff that we ne- like the smaller details we never think about. So now we have to on the spot look it up. But no, yeah, I, 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 Globe Life would make a lot of sense. It, the World Series was already hosted there. Let's see. So uh, the six alternate cities that could host a 2021: Milwaukee, Dodger Stadium, Globe Life, and then there's um, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Which that's a new one. That Wrigley? that would be interesting because well, San Juan, Puerto Rico would be interesting. It wouldn't be the first time they've hosted a baseball series. You know, they usually do the Puerto Rico series every year. This one in in San Juan would only work because they wouldn't have any plans for other people uh, playing there, and it wouldn't throw off the current schedule if you did it in San Juan. 
if you did it in Milwaukee, which the last time I did it in Milwaukee, I think was 2001, 2002 in so that area. They don't have 2023, 2024, or 2025 locations to be determined. They have 2026. It will be the Phillies that will be hosting it there. Uh, I th- That'd be a good one. I think that's the only ones they have. But and then 2021, it was supposed to be the Braves. And then tw- next year, it was supposed to be Dodger Stadium. So... I'm just, and they also put Yankee Stadium on this list of uh, possible locations. Yeah, because that, that particular stadium hasn't hosted an All-Star game. No. But the old Yankee Stadium hosted the 2008 All-Star game, which was uh, the last season yep. for Yankee Stadium. Correct. Um, I would, I don't know, Globe Life is a good one. Milwaukee, I just don't know. If, Milwaukee's a, it's a dome. So, you know, I, I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a retractable roof. Okay. so is The Rays are the only one that actually have a dome, yeah. which is why... The domes are such a retro thing now. Like, domes were built in the 70s and 80s, 60s even. And the Rays, their stadium was built in 1990 when domes were still a thing. And now they're not a thing anymore. It's about retractable roofs. And the Rays, since I lived there, have been trying to get a new stadium. And they're still unable to figure out a solution. So this is crazy. Uh, no, I, Justin, I think you said Globe Life. I'm, I think that's actually, that's what makes most sense. Texas is the most loose when it comes to... Uh, COVID laws. Actually, they are Texas and Florida are really the two that are the most loose. People are flocking to these states, by the way, in general. Yeah. For for just some kind of leniency to COVID. If they live in New York, get the heck out of New York uh and go to a place like Texas or Florida where you can actually relax and not have to be restricted. I will say this, though, about uh, Texas. I mean, I'm not a Rangers fan by no means, but I will definitely be watching and just take a peek at their first and their home home opener just because they're going to have there's no limited capacity and i want to yeah. see what this is going to look like for the first time in forever we're going to have a stadium that can be packed with all butts and seats which we have not seen since 2019 right so i i that's why i'm I, that's the only reason why i want to take a peek at this game i also do want to mention that you know as a server at a restaurant and you know it's spring break right now the tourist attraction and tourist restaurant that i work at Michigan, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kansas, Missouri, they're all on those spring breaks right now. They're all coming here because there's openness. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and they're not going to travel down to Miami because, I mean, a lot of them drive. So they're not going to drive, you yeah. know, the extra 10, 12 hours. They're just going to drive the 16. Hours. And Miami also has their own issues right now with spring, spring breakers. breakers. We saw that where the police had to come out and try and disperse people, which I, I, I don't know exactly what happened there either. There's uh, a curfew now, isn't there? Yeah, it, it was yeah. like a curfew issue, but it's weird because so well, South Florida always struggled with COVID more than anywhere else in the state, but yeah, I don't know. People, A lot of people are coming to Pensacola, the panhandle, really, because mm-hmm. it's easier to get to. I mean, if you're if you're from Indiana, just hop on 65 and go south. I mean, you're you're going to end up in Mobile eventually, but you, it's very quick to get to Florida. I wonder what Destin looks like right now. I mean, Pensacola, it's been pretty probably steady. Probably great. Pretty steady, pretty busy, but Destin, that's probably even more slam because Destin's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we look at Pensacola, it is a tourist place, but it's not like a tourist a place like name. Destin. Destin yeah. is a tourist place, so, and like, it's going to be connected with Panama City there, so. I, I, we have to take a break, but I do want to throw this one out there. Pen, uh, Blue Wahoo Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have, actually, tomorrow is the sunrise service for yeah. Marcus Point, and by the way, if you can't make it in person, it's free to go. But if you can't make it, our sister station, News Radio 92.3, is going to be airing it live. So if you can't make it, you can still listen to it. I'm expecting a ton of people to be out there, right? No social distance, I don't think. So that leads me to the baseball season, where they have not announced what the attendance is going to be yet. And keeping in mind that the season begins in May, 
starting Monday, if you're 18 and over, you can get your COVID vaccine. I already said I'm getting mine at Tuesday on Tuesday at Baptist. I think they're going to have 100% attendance. I, I, I originally said 2,000, but the more I think about it, the more I just see numbers trending in the right direction, I think they're going to start the year allowing 100% capacity. And we all know that as the season goes on, it's going to thin out to be 2,000 or less fans because not everyone can make a game. I think at the start of the year, they're going to allow 100% capacity. So I think that's where we're at right now. I really, I, I, I'm really liking what we're seeing in terms of the numbers. And now that we can get our COVID vaccine starting Monday, uh, and again, I'll be one of the first in line, at least on Tuesday, because that was the earliest I could get. That's just one step closer to normalcy. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM The South Carolina Stanford women's basketball game was unbelievable. The ending where South Carolina, they were down by one. They uh, Stanford has the ball. Then South Carolina steals it with about five seconds to go. Stanford draw or uh, South Carolina rather drives to the basket, misses the layup follow up barely gets out of Boston's hands. Boston last name barely gets out of Boston's hands. Buzzer goes off, hits off the back of the rim, pops out. And Stanford narrowly hangs on to move on to their first championship since 2010. Now, what about uh, that Baylor-UConn Elite Eight game? I think it was Elite Eight game or Final Four game. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. UConn-Baylor where uh, Baylor was driving. And then um, and this all happened, mind you, on Sunday. So we didn't have an opportunity to talk about that. So we can certainly go back and talk yep. about that. and Because UConn ended up it – it, it was close – but it got closer at the end. Like UConn tried to make a push, but UConn was upset by Arizona. And I want to talk about Arizona here in just a moment. But yeah, you know, you, uh, South Carolina loses to Stanford. Stanford is in. They're going to be playing Arizona. UConn gets to the Final Four because they block a shot by wow. Baylor. Wow. But if you look at it, the replay, oh, it was fouls it everywhere. Fouls there be. were fouls everywhere. Now. And they didn't call the foul. And it's funny because referees are so, it, it, it all moves so fast. Yep. It moves so fast, so you have to, you know, you have to somehow slow things down and accurately make the call. So sometimes it can just go either way. Clearly a foul, but in the speed, the 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 moment when it's all happening, when everything is just happening at a moment's notice, you know, what do you call? Foul or no foul? They opted not to call it a foul. Uh, ultimately, Baylor loses the game. UConn moves on. They take on. Uh, Bay, uh, Arizona yesterday in the Final Four, and Arizona basically had them from the get-go. And Arizona has every right to move forward because they had the the teaser video with the Final Four teams. Only they didn't leave; they did not include Arizona. They left Arizona out of the Final Four video. How in the heck do you do that? Yep, like you can't do that. You you leave out one of the four teams, clearly disrespecting Arizona by doing that. And they apologized and they said we did not intend to do that. 
then who is your who is your editor? I yeah. think that we, I think we need to sit down with this person and say, hey, uh, what tournament what? have you been watching? <laughs> I was like, did you forget that there are four teams in the final four? Or did you forget who the fourth team was? Well, Arizona comes in with a chip on their shoulder immediately, and they took down UConn. And uh, I, I stress this, that it really was not that close. It got closer at the end. Like Paige Becker's first AP player of the year as a freshman. Unbelievable athlete. Can't wait to see what she does at her career with UConn. Like, she had herself a pretty decent game, but it wasn't enough. Arizona took it to them, and now tomorrow they're going to be playing in the national championship uh, against an incredibly talented Stanford team who's like a seven-point favorite. Which it's rare we're having the national championship before, the women's national championship before the men's because it's usually the women's is usually the day after um, the men's. But I think because of COVID and just everything that's been this year, uh, they made it, went ahead and made it before, which... Uh, so we have the final four today, correct? I believe. Yeah, the yeah. final four for the men's is today, yeah. and I'm gonna. Uh, I do have to work a little bit, so I'm hoping to get off early and I, I'm gonna can be, go can go watch it. I know my other job when I have to work, and I want to make sure that every TV because we have about five TVs upstairs. I'm gonna like make sure like every other TV is on a game. So like when I'm walking, I'm always watching. But um, I will say this though: then we have the men's games championship on Monday, which. I always hate to throw on Monday. I know. By the way, it's college. Like it's Monday. Like Mondays of all Mondays. College loves doing championships on Mondays I don't for some know reason. Why. It's just like think about it. Students do not want to go to class the next day after partying for their school. Exactly. Think about it. Like Houston and Baylor are tonight I, at four fifteen, and then following. Or actually, no. Sorry, sorry. Four fourteen. Tipping off at four fourteen. I bet you Alabama whole like they they. I mean, that's their record day for skipped classes is literally the Tuesday after the national championship games, mm-hmm. especially after this last one where Tuscaloosa, oh, man, the, the party that went on there. I remember <laughs> there was a – I can't remember who – it might have been LSU when LSU won the national championship with Joe Burrow. That was a crazy and one. That, there was a teacher who would not cancel class. I guess he just wasn't feeling football. Like, dude, read the bleeping room. Like, <laughs> your students aren't – school, yeah. like – yeah, really fire that school. guy. <laughs> and so I think the school ultimately had because the the students said you, then you're going to have an empty class, like no one's coming to class, and they just assumed yeah no no school right or no class. Well then the school came through and just went ahead and said yeah, as an entire campus we're just not going to have class on Tuesday as or Monday. No Monday Tuesday classes as you shouldn't because this is a big day like that like. No one realizes, like, the spotlight that college football is. Well, I mean, people realize it, but, like, some teachers don't. I don't know why, but, like, this is, like, especially at LSU where it's, like, football is, like, heaven in them. Baseball is, too. Like, their baseball right field. It's – it's. I would love to attend a game there. But the football – the football LSU, I mean, there's a reason why yeah. night games at Baton Rouge are probably a top three tough place to play in yeah. college football. That whiteout at um, Penn State – and then night night games at LSU, and I'd probably say the Iron Bowl at night, those are probably top three toughest games to play in because the crowds are so crazy. I don't know. What else would you put there Well, for, like, toughest crowds? Toughest crowds? Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine Alabama. I guess. Tuscaloosa. That has to be a tough place to play. It's a you know, stadium that sits 100-plus thousand people, so it's got to be a tough atmosphere. And it's Alabama. 
you know they and they have like these really cool LED lights that like flicker on and off. Yeah. They have the elephant noise going off. The fans are rowdy as can be. And if it's a night game, that means the students have been drinking all day. Yep. And they are ready to go. Yep. Or they're they didn't make it because they were just went too hard. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I I am personally a fan of day games. Although it's, night games are fun because they have that night game feel. But I am a big fan of day games because you wake up early. You drink all day leading up to the game, and then you go to the game, and then you have plenty of time afterwards to go to the bars and then party the rest of the night away. Until you're sweating your butt off in the stands. That's true. Some kid. That is true. You are sweating your... Season tickets for FSU, we had to leave the games. Probably three games we had to leave because it was just... It was too hot. You just... People were passing out getting taken out on stretchers because it was too hot. Uh, some games, though, it's just like the students came and make it in because it goes so hard during the tailgate that they're like... Yeah, like Ubered back or like carried back to their dorms. There, like, there have been a couple of occasions where you 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 sit near the student section. Not me. Oh, I know you're waiting for it. You're waiting <laughs> like, for it. I'm over story? here. Yeah, I've passed out a couple of times. No, no, no. I've never been that way. Because um, I've always been the one that wants to actually watch and enjoy the game. Like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like super focused into the game. I don't want to be that intoxicated. But some people are, they're more for the party atmosphere of it. And so there have been a handful of times where I have seen students, I think they're students, you know, asleep in the bleachers because they they had a little too much leading up to the game. I will say this, though, is that I hope the UWF students, because I know this was a big problem, or not really a problem, but it was a big big thing that would happen a lot, is that they would tailgate really hard, but they would not even go to the game. They would just, like, leave. I'm just like... I was one of the only people that was actually watching the game. Yeah. And all my friends are, like, sleeping, eating food behind It's, it's me. like, because they'll tailgate so hard, which I'm like, yeah, live it up. But, like, go to the game still. Because, like, this is a national championship winning right. team. So I'm hoping, like, you're wearing the shirt right now. It's like, she's wearing the shirt right now as well. I didn't see her shirt. But still, I hope this season is, like, a season where a student section actually gets developed at Blue mm-hmm. Wahoo Stadium because I would love to see that as someone who's on the sidelines for those games because I really felt as if the student atmosphere being on, being on the sidelines for each home game was not there because it was yeah. either the students were so spread, spread apart or they just weren't there. Yeah, that's and I'm glad you brought that up because the first season, of course, there's this huge buzz about football finally Correct. here in Pensacola. We finally have a football team at our school, and I wasn't working for the station yet. I was able to go to most of the home games, and we were able to party it up and have fun. And the student section was booming. The 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 parties before, there's a sectioned-off area that's meant for the fraternities. It's mainly fraternities that are back there, and then the sororities come out, and they, they hop in with their respective fraternity friends and there's also other student-led organizations it's not completely greek life there are other things out there but for the most part it's greek life and that was booming and then you have the seat and then there's the student section that's jam-packed there's hardly any seats left but that was the first season and then the next season not as many people they went to the national championship and lost and then there was like the first game hype but then still throughout the season the third year not as many people the fourth season hardly anybody hardly any students went to the game why like come on i will say though where the student section is and i don't know if it's the same as when you were a student davis but like you can't tell me the student section is not in a weird place i don't know where the student section is so like because it's it's like in the corner right you have a a football field on a baseball field so it's like very oddly shaped, but like you're offset to the football field. You're like probably 
20 yards to the right of the end zone. Yeah. You're, in, you're like, it's you're like, not on the end zone. You're not on the side. You're just but, like off but to the corner. What well, I've noticed for the student section, it's not really defined what the student section is. Not, but I think yeah. it's not really defined. And they need to make it more defined. Where Everyone's I, sort of scattered. Where I always would put a student section is always either corner end zone of the, let's say you're, you're how would I describe this? In Blue Wahoo Stadium, you're driving from left field to first base dugout. So I would say that's west. That's west. You're, you're driving west. Uh, yeah, you're right. That is yeah, west. So <laughs> I would put them more around to the, just to the left of the field goal post if you're, if you're facing the field goal. You're putting just to the left of the field goal post. Or I would put them in the left end zone, like right there on the 10-yard line. I would put them on, on the, in those metal bleachers. I would make that a whole like qu- quarter of that a student section. Because yeah, because the thing is, I think that's visitors. Is that, that's well, like half, that's the like half the half bleachers, like half the bleachers are visitors, and but then you, it's not often you mix the visitors with the students. Well, that's the thing is like that's why you put the students there, so like the visitors, you know, they don't get so like they like the students like they they put them down, like they talk, like they they get over you know, them. The know? bleachers actually, that's a that's a decent point. I think the bleachers probably should be for the students. Yeah. Because it's sectioned off. It's 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 its own area. So section that off for the students. There's plenty of other seating that parents could sit at, but the reason why it is the away section is because the away team is on that side of the field. Or put on the party deck uh, on the um in the left field corner. I keep pointing that at it like true. I'm there. I that is true. Why. That's that's the president's deck, I think. Is that's it? actually they, yeah, that's where the coaches all sit for other sports. They get invited up there. Yeah, that's like the where top. the university faculty and all that. That's like yeah. their private section I, where I they can they have used, a little party. I thought they used a Hancock Bank uh, section for that. Um, you know, that's actually a good question for my for our bosses, Dave and Mary, because they're season ticket holders and they get invited to this kind of stuff all the time. So that's a good question. What, they're, they're part of the uh, what is it, the Irish uh, Politicians Club of McGuire. Yes, yeah. I've, I've I've gotten the luxury of having dinner back there one time. It's it's, it is, it's nice. I've been it's back nice. there. Got a tour through I've there. gotten a tour yeah. through there. My mom's ate in there before with uh, Fred Levin too, actually. But you know, so may he rest in peace. By the way, I've, but. If you look at FSU Stadium, you know, like their their student center or their student section backs up to right behind where the players stand, uh-huh. and that's what gets them so hype, you know. Like they're like you know that's the student section. If or, you went to a UWF game, you probably couldn't even point out the student section. No, I mean, because I because I, I, mean, I, I there's a lot of times where let's say we're in a time crunch or they just had a big play where I'm literally sprinting down the ba- down the sidelines in my boat shoes and khakis. Like, it, it's happened multiple times. Oh, uh, that last home game that we saw, was it again? It's West Georgia or West Alabama. That was a good one. That was so fun because it was just a scoring affair. Yeah. And I asked Coach Pete Shinnick after the game, because as a fan, wa- even watching it on TV, first off, they won, so that's great. And that's what, that's what clinched our spot in the playoffs. Undefeated at home, too. Undef- yeah, undefeated at home. Also... We scored, I think, a total. I think total. There was like 80 points scored in that game. It was just a back and forth scoring affair, and it was kind of what we saw in the national championship, where we we were just scoring at will, and so was the other team, unfortunately. And so I asked coach after the game, okay, was there ever a point where the game was like fun for you, like, because as a fan, also as a media, but uh, you know, as a fan, you know, looking at it, the way that points were just being scored like crazy, it was really fun to watch. So I just want to know, was this game? at one point, like, fun. And he said, if we blew him out, then yes, it would have been fun. See, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's such a Coach Shinnick thing to say, because it was 48-37 was the final score. Um, But I know, what was it, the first home game of the season was Virginia 
Lynchburg. Oh, yeah. And it was Virginia Lynchburg, which we just... 69-0. Yeah. <laughs> it was an all-out route. And Austin... Like threw an interception on the first drive. Oh no! I, I remember. I, I have that. I have that play on the. Uh, I have. I have a video of that play. Um, yeah, I'm gonna like first throw of the game. Pick. I'm like that's not Austin. And then next, like they just pops off completely. Um, Mississippi College was probably, in my opinion, the toughest game that UWF had to play at home last year, just for the fact one it went overtime, which they won first overtime win for UWF. Then also it was the triple option, so the time was always running on defense for UWF, it was very tough, and they were down 14-0 at halftime, and they had to come back and tie it up. So, and they did that, and they won in overtime, had a big defensive stand there uh, with about 10 yards to go for Mississippi College and with their possession during overtime, which uh, you read, th- that was the day we saw the Mo- Molly Ringwalk. So I remember the seafood festival was going on. I was over there doing work for um, for us, and I was, I Facebook Live the, um, the overtime, and then I got the video of the celebration in the locker room, which was, that was a cool video. And then went to the Seafood Festival, saw Molly Ring once, and then went home. And that was just my day of Pensacola on a Saturday, you know? And when those days finally come back, which, I which that we are almost there. I went to the Molly Ring last night. That's that's edging our way there. I, I just, I, I will never take that kind of stuff for granted again. I think that all of this is like one big sobering reminder that, you know, you got to enjoy the little things. Who knew that this is what were you going on? Like, who knew, like, that was going to happen five months later, you know? Yeah. And no one. Just all gets shut down. Yeah. No hey, one knew. I waited a year to get this internship, and when I started talking to Davis, it was, like, when sports were, like, a real thing, and then they just, like, started going down. So, like, being here and, like, hearing, like, what it was versus, like, hopefully getting back into that, you know, has been interesting to this- watch because, like... I've been interning, doing stuff with ESPN, but we've yet to, like, actually be at a sport. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, Sunbelt was our first, like, taste yeah. of that, for real, which was, like, awesome because it felt so normal at Sunbelt. I mean, that's why we're so excited for Wahoos. I know, like, yeah. it's been a long time coming because, like, I've been, like, her main, like, in the trying to, get, like, like communicate with between you two, trying to get her this internship. This goes all the way back of, like, December of, what, I think 2019. 2019. Yeah, and just, like, if... It's been a while. And then, like, because I know we're trying to do internships. I know we had Sean and Caroline. That was our interns for the spring of last year. Like a day, though. It was like they wasn't that long. They maybe did a week or two of work. Caroline didn't even do anything, honestly. And then Sean. Not trying to to knock on her, by the way. COVID hit. (laughs) We're not knocking on her. COVID hit. And Sean, I think he did. uh, Sean did, like, two shows with us. And then maybe I think he, he did some watching of me doing producing the afternoon show on news radio and it's like and that was pretty much all they could do because and then COVID hit and we're just like we really don't really know what we can do right now i know that i was sidelined for i think about a month and a half to two months i believe which was like i know that was tough for this show because you were over here having to do your show do the show by yourself week week in week out so yeah it yeah. made that it made things interesting but just sort of going back to the whole sobering reminder that we are so close and i've never been so excited to go to something like the Molly Ringwalds. That used to be a normal thing people could do, right? And now it's a thing that's finally back, and it's exciting. And uh, I know we went way long on this segment to where we're going to take a break, and we're going to take a little bit longer of a break so we can kind of get caught up on our obligations uh, with clients. So we love our clients. We, we are very thankful for them. Uh, but we uh, we do want to uh, try and take a quick, t- quick time out. But certainly... Um, just sort of 
reflecting back on all the cool things that we've had an opportunity to be a part of. And now I'll look ahead at the things that are coming up. Include, and that includes, of course, the Blue Wahoos. And we mentioned UWF, UWF football. Rand and I are in the mood. We have our UWF championship shirts on. We know how it is. Uh, it's just it's a one, it's a, another step closer to that sense of normalcy. So we're very excited when that happens. We are going to take a break a little bit longer this time so we can get caught up. This is Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Whenever you hear that music, that means we're going to do two things. We're either going to like it or we're going to really hate it. And that's when Justin is going to go over here and he's going to discuss something, bring up some kind of sports topic. I have no idea what he's about to say. And we're just going to show our either love or hate for that topic that he brings up. Justin, go. So we're going to start off with the April Madness of the Final Four and... Let's start off with neither of the one seeds of Baylor and Gonzaga. They do not make the championship game. I hate it. I hate it. And we'll give our game day pickums at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. But I really hate that. I hate it as well. I know at least one of these teams will be making it. There's no reason why they don't. Um, I know I'm surprised Houston is here. That's for sure. uh, Because I didn't even expect them to they get out of the Sweet 16, and here they are now in the Final Four with a, championship of a chance to go to the championship. So I am surprised about that, uh, no doubt in my mind. Uh, let's see. We can move it on to, let's say, college baseball, actually. So right now, the SEC has been the dominance of the college baseball world. Florida, was, down. Florida was looking pretty strong. I want to say this. Jack Letter is going to be the college baseball player of the year. Jack Litter, I don't know if you've kept up with him that much. I have not. His stats have been just off the charts. I know up until last night, because he did allow a run versus number five LSU, Vanderbilt being ranked number one once again. Uh, he had gone, I believe, 22, I think, no, 26 innings with Oh, Alabama. Jack Leiter. Leiter, yeah. Leiter, yeah, okay. No, the son of Al Leiter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, then yes, because this he's going to be a top pick in the draft yep. for sure. He's going to go first round. Uh, him, that, that, just that pitching staff at Vanderbilt hands down just out of this world awesome which his pitching his pitching style is not a formal pitching style in my opinion it's um it's a it's more of an athletic one does he he reminds you of a shortstop that like a high school shortstop that would come in and use like and be your second day pitcher Mm -hmm. and but he's just so good he's just so good I mean it's just it's ridiculous the numbers that he's put up and he LSU is getting blown out 7-0 7-0 yesterday until they finally put up a run. I never, I didn't get you to catch the end of that game, but I know Vanderbilt, they're firing on all cylinders. They have Kumar Rocker still, and then they, they, Kumar. Had, they have Lighter as well, and it's just like this team is incredible. I mean, so, yeah, no, Vanderbilt, again, they're the number one team in the nation for a reason. Yep. They're certainly setting the pace uh, for another trip to the championship. I uh, Just in general, this, this Vanderbilt team – uh, right now, I have them slated to win the national championship just behind their pitching staff alone. Yes. Um, then talks in the NBA, Andre Drummond going to the L.A. Lakers. Now, I want to mention this. We've never seen Andre Drummond really play with a star like LeBron or AD, let alone at the same time. The best that he's ever played with is Blake Griffin. 
This is a really elongated question. I do want to say this. We're going to see a whole new version of Andre Drummond, in my opinion. And once LeBron and AD are back healthy. Uh, I was going to say, in terms of Drummond, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to say I, I hate it only because I think we're going to see the same Andre Drummond that's going to be effective for the Lakers. But the thing is, uh, so here's my opinion is just he puts up these stats for really bad teams when he doesn't have great players. But when you add him with LeBron and AD, two top 10 players in the league, we're about to see the Lakers who have been very, who've been very playing very poorly lately. They're about to be coming back and they're about, they're going to just take off with the playoffs after we get a healthy LeBron and AD. Yeah. I mean, that's just another weapon for them. You know, they, they have this opportunity to continue to grow. LeBron's out right now. Yeah. So is it dealing I mean, with an injury? So, and so is AD. Yep. So once they're back and they're playing, you know, with full force, I mean, I wouldn't even call really a big three because there's a, just a, a number of talent on there. I mean, Alex Caruso, that guy is an off the bench warrior for sure. So I, uh, I mean, this Lakers team is certainly primed to have some good success deep in the playoffs. Uh, and you know, the Brooklyn Nets, let's keep an eye on them too. I mean, oh, they I mean, are literally, they're, they're picking up as many superstars as they possibly can. Everyone wants the matchup of Brooklyn and LA right now. Everybody wants that matchup to happen. No one, there's not a person out there who doesn't want it to happen. So seeing this, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the Lakers bounce back from all these injuries. Um, they lacked three ball. They lacked three ball last year as well. They don't have that, but their size is tremendous. That's why uh, Portland could not comp- compete with them, in my opinion, because their size was just not there. Uh, now you add another guy who's big, Andre Drummond, who just gets 15 to 20-plus rebounds a game. Well, you know, there's nothing you can really do about that. Every team needs a Dennis Rodman, right? Yeah. So it goes to Dennis Rodman, probably not going to score a lot of points, That's but this guy is going to get the ball. He's got boards. Dr- so Drummond gets just as many points as he does rebounds. Sometimes there's games where Rodman just would literally just get rebounds and not even put points on the board. I mean, that's that's just how well Robin was. That's why he was the worm. But Drummond, he puts him up in both categories. All right, so we're about to head into hour two of the program. That means we're going to discuss pretty much only basketball from here on out. Also, we have the bombshell retirement announcement from Roy Williams. Let's dive into that next on ESPN Pensacola. Davis and Justin also with Ren in the studio with us. She's handling the board, allowing Justin and I to be able to sit back and just talk sports. What a beautiful thing. I know. It's interesting. You know, I don't get to touch the board anymore. It's like that used to be my like, my baby for like two years. <laughs> you know, it's like always on my hands on deck, always with that thing. There's something about being a producer also where you are. By the way, the producer is really in control of the show. You know, because they, they're the ones that send you to commercial. They're the ones that set up the bumper music. They control your levels. And they also try to, they, they also have to keep things sort of organized. Because a host, if you give a host the opportunity, which happens so frequently on this show, they'll just take off and keep talking until someone says, dude, you got to shut up. That's the normally what the producer would have to do. They're, they're the ones that are like, hey, wrap it up. We got to go. I know I was always, because 
me being 18 when I was just a producer producing Bobby Rossi's show and Bobby with his years and years of experience in radio and just what he's done on all sorts of levels, you know, trying to make him plug up so much. It was like, it was like the most hardest thing in the world because I'm just like, Hey, we got to go conversion. Cause like, I, I, I'm not even been doing it for like a year yet. And like Bobby's like, he's like this pro in my yeah. opinion. So, you know, it's like, it was always hard, but you know, producers, you have to keep control of them because you're the one that keeps the eye on the clock. You're the one who keeps the eye on the commercials. You're the one that keeps the eye on basically the format of the show to make sure that you're hitting top of top of our IDs and hitting your commercials on time to leave uh, time for your other segments to actually go through properly. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I remember one time I work with Andrew McKay on news radio nine, two, three, I'm his producer for his show. Along with, uh, I do I do other segments, including sports segments. And when I first started, he basically said it real simple. Like, I just want you to produce me. Like, produce me. Tell me what to do, and we'll do it. And so I finally started doing that, and he's pushing back immediately. And I'm like, oh, come on, you just told me to do this. But no, it's all in good fun. And we have been working with each other for almost four years now, so we have sort of that camaraderie going on. And it's, I will, it's good. I will say this. is like One of the hardest things for that format of radio is phone call interviews, and I learned that the hard way with Bobby because especially if you had a long-winning guest on, is if he asked a question, because the segments are five minutes long, max, really. Because you know, then you have to hit, you have to hit the... Um, have to hit traffic, then you also have to hit your commercials. So pretty much you're looking at five to six minutes of time there, and phone calls are like the hardest thing in the world. Oh yeah, you know. So it was a it's a pain. I remember though, the de- pretty much we only did phone calls I think twice on that show. We did a phone call interview with I don't remember the guy's name, and then also we did on NAS the day that the uh, shooting happened at uh, that base. Uh, we had we had so many callers calling that day. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, I remember before the show started, I was like, Bobby's just like, we're just going to like let a Pensacola open up and just hear their voice. I was like, I'm completely down for that, you know? Yeah. Because I know you guys were the ones uh, on Andrew's show were breaking down what was trying to go on. And then we were the ones getting the reactions of it, like mm-hmm. from the actual city itself. Yeah. In the afternoon, that's sort of the difference between morning drive and afternoon drive. Sometimes the callers are a little bit more active when they're on their way home rather than in the morning. And they just, they really just more want to listen and uh, get you know they want to hear what they need to know, so and then on the up. way home they'll get their they'll offer their take after they spent the whole day thinking about it because they're still waking up, and that's why I kind of like um, having Big Moose over there at Cat Country because like Big Moose and the just the interactive guy that he is with people like there's a reason why he's the uh, he's the MC for the uh, Ice Flyers you know because he just he's just an interactive guy who makes things so much fun. Never forget my first phone call. Yeah, please call your teacher. Professor Kennedy. That was a funny Hello, one. Hello, Professor Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. He was like, what is happening? Uh, but yeah, phone calls on news radio were a different different, different type of animal compared to here. Because here, it's just like, we just let you go. And you, yeah. You know, and then, but on there, it's like, we have time. It's a little bit more tight. Yeah. Like, get your opinion, give your take, try to keep it under a minute if possible. And then we go on. We sort of go on from there. But, you know, it's certainly it's, it's really all of our shows. And like this show, 623-1330, you want to hop in, offer your take on what's going on in the world of sports, by all means. Or if you just want to bring up any random topic, we can talk about that, too. And I remember there was a lady who called in who didn't who didn't like Bobby's um, opinion because Bobby does. In my opinion, it is neutral radio, but he does a little bit lean to the right sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's we're fine. Fox News affiliate. It's, yeah, we are. And I will say this: like the lady, she she was not happy about it. So she she comes in and her and Bobby just going back and forth, and then she said. 
said a, sw- a swear word. I was like, all right, well, that's the last time we hear this lady's voice on this station. And I, I, and I think I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was it was the one time that happened too, that with a, with a phone caller actually. But yeah, it was it was a uh, it was interesting, you know. And Bobby Bobby loved it. Bobby loves those type of conversations and those type of debates because Bobby's not afraid to back well, down. Well, think of shows like the Paul Feinbaum show. Yeah, you know, Paul Feinbaum's show was famous for having these angry, off you know just ranty kind of callers come on and I feel that we haven't heard those as much lately on Paul Feinbaum's show but that's sort of it's a it's a completely like caller based show Paul Feinbaum has pretty much based the show into um, the callers are the ones that make the content he doesn't really he puts he pretty much controls it to where he has these people call in and then this person call in, and then just kind of just like throws them into a, like a, a pin together. It's just like, all right, you guys bicker. You yeah, know, that's basically what it's been. Uh, Paul Feinbaum, you know, still great knowledge on the game, but you know he is getting older and older. I feel like the show is not what it used to be when it first started, which which was like the legend SEC show. Um, but you know, it's still it's still radio, it's still SEC football, and you know we'll never I'll, I never complain about it. But so, oh, speaking of legends, nice little transition here as we are getting ready for the Final Four. But Roy Williams. On April Fool's Day, no less, announces he is retiring from coaching. And I was like, okay, this this is probably a joke, right? This is why like, I, I can't take anything serious as a analyst when it comes to April Fool's Day on sports. Because like, George Kittle was playing with everybody's like, he's just like, he posted a picture of him in a Jags jersey and everything like that. Like, I'm so ha- like so blessed to be going to Jacksonville do- and then puts hashtag Duval. Yeah. I'm just like, this is an April Fool's joke. I know it. I know it. And then it's just like... I don't know if it was an April Fool's joke or not, but I know Duke's Instagram posted that they will be building a new uh, basketball gym uh, outside of Cameron Indoor. They like they're going to be tearing down Cameron Indoor, which I'm like, that's got to be a joke, right? And, and apparently, they, it's not a joke because they think they it is. It, yeah, and they didn't say it was a joke. And they said they're making a new Cameron Indoor Stadium, which like I'm like the reason why they haven't built a new one yet was for the simple fact. The acoustics in there are so crazy. Like when there's when the student section's there, it's 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 so hard to play in. Which I'm like, when I heard that, I was just like, why? Why? That's a, like that's such a big part of basketball history. And the coach that's played there many of times and has won there a couple of times and lost there a couple of times against the legend Coach K himself, Roy Williams. You know, I'm a North Carolina fan for basketball. I will say that. Um, you know, he's gone after 33 years, which. To me, I wasn't expecting it, but also I'm not surprised about it. For the simple fact, back in 2016, 2017, when they won their national championship, there was games where Roy Williams said like he had passed out on the sidelines, he had fainted. A couple of, like we could see his health it was already becoming a problem, and now it's just like we could see his seasons dwindling. Last year wouldn't have made the tournament if there was a tournament. The last year, which there wasn't. This year, only being an eighth seed and having a first round exit. Um, it's not it's not the same North Carolina as it was. So, you know, we respect Roy Williams as a coach, of course, because of what he's done. Yeah, three-time his, national champion. Three-time ACC championship winner as well. You know, and th- this guy, a legend, 903 career wins, you know, third most all-time after just passing Bob Knight towards the end of the year in the ACC tournament. It's uh, he, I mean, he's, he's a legendary coach. And what he's done, I mean, it's truly incredible. I mean, because he built – such a huge legacy that Dean Smith had started North Carolina. It, 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 it lulled for a little bit, and then Roy Williams picked it back up and you know, it really kept the Duke and North Carolina rivalry going. And 
Coach K, who played, who coached against Dean Smith in his early years of his career at Duke, and then then went up against another guy like him in Roy Williams, who produced just as much talent and, and produced just as many championships as Dean Smith. He kept that rivalry going between Duke and North Carolina. Who knows how many years we'll see Coach K still at Duke. His seasons have not been great either because we have not seen a surefire Duke that we're used to seeing since probably around 2015, I'd say. Uh, I think the last one that we really saw was the Zion year, and that was, what, a Sweet 16 or a Elite 8 exit, I believe it was? That was a Sweet 16, I want to say. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, Sweet 16 because like, they played Virginia Tech. They played... Uh, U- UCF. Yep, and then and they eventually lost to. Uh, it was two years ago now. Dang it, yeah. I can't remember. I-, I can look it up. But the thing is, it's still, um, it's still the fact that Roy Williams just what he did there. I mean, he kept the greatest rivalry, and in, in my opinion, all of college sports alive, and that's what would really matter. because Dean Smith built that legacy at North Carolina. Uh, and because you know, he produced Jordan, produced national championships, and then here he was after he, he's not passed away, of course. Um, Roy Williams comes in and he just continued that legacy. And it's something that I didn't get to experience all the way throughout because I didn't become a fan until around 2006, 2007, when I was just about six, six years old, is when I really found out about the rivalry that was Duke and North Carolina. My mom's a Duke fan. My dad's a North Carolina fan. I've always t- tailored to my dad's side of sports just because, I don't know, we've always, our relationship with sports has always been very strong. Mm. And so, and then my my oldest brother, Jonathan, he's a Duke fan. Then my middle brother, Jason, he's a North Carolina fan. So it's kind of house divided with that. And it's always gotten kind of serious. I know this year it was a bit. It was a big one for Roy Williams because he swept. He swept Duke this year, which it hasn't been done in a very long time, where the games weren't split between each other. It's it's very common that the games are usually split. This year, Roy Williams winning both, and it kind of just shows that Coach K, he's not. Showing. By the way, Coach Shashevsky, because uh, we do have a Coach K on this station, talk everyone, football with Coach K. I, everyone knows. I, we, think, I, I, I feel like in, in, there, in pop culture, of course, there's there's the Coach K from Duke. But here, it's like I, I, I feel like we have to clarify just to be safe. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, I I will say this. So, like Coach K here and then Coach K in college basketball. Two completely different things. By the way, it was Michigan State. Thank you. Okay, I figured it out. And now I can stop looking through my computer and just talk. Coach says that. How do you say his name? Coach Shashevsky. 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 I've never actually tried to say that before. Because people K. just say Coach K. Yeah, exactly. You know, Mike Shashevsky. I'm not going to. I can't pronounce anything. Anyways, thank you. So. All right. Thank you, Ren. Thank you for outing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth, though. But I like her contributions to the show. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it's. It's true, but we try to ignore it and just let me do my thing and just power on through. But Coach K, Duke's Coach K, not our Coach K, his seasons are also jointly, in my opinion, because his recruiting classes have not been as strong. And also, I think I feel like the game is starting to evolve to where the coaching styles that him and Roy Williams produced that made them so successful are not the same anymore. That's why we're seeing teams starting like like – Gonzaga, they're starting to take off more, and that's why they're in the Final Four. And we're seeing teams like Baylor, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, all these teams that aren't usually there. That's why we're starting to see them kick in more in the high gear and produce different types of basketball that Duke and North Carolina have really never produced. And then also, for the matter of fact, the game's changing with the one-and-done rule. 
North Carolina, they're having so many players just leave one and done. They're not keeping them anymore. You know, Duke, they've had this problem ever since their last national championship because Quinn Cook was a senior. He stayed there, won a national championship, then left. You had Jahil Okafor. You had Justice Winslow. I think the last true player that stayed his time throughout Duke, Grayson Allen. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you look at North Carolina, Theo Pinson, Joel Berry, uh, Kennedy Meeks, all those guys stayed all four years. They they played their entire careers throughout. And that's why we saw the, those teams that they were on were so successful, which was just a couple of years past that Duke National Championship. And after they left, I think, I believe, probably Justin Jackson and then Cameron Williams were probably the last two that were like the actual seniors that played their entire time throughout. Marcus Page, he's another one. Um, then we just saw a bunch of guys like Kobe White come in as your little – those guys one and done, one and done, gone, gone, just like that. You know, and then also uh, Cole Anthony last year, you know, one and done. And, just, and then it's kind of become a tradition. North Carolina is not used to producing, and Roy Williams is not used to having. And we saw a true moment that the ACC posted and North Carolina posted of Marcus Page on senior night where he's just he's on the mic in the middle of the floor talking to Roy Williams individually and just talking about what he did for him, not just as a player, but as an individual, and made him a greater man 10 times than what he was when he came to North Carolina in the first place. And when you have those one-and-dones, the chemistry is not there with the coach as much. Um, even though Kobe White and Roy Williams, in my opinion, still had a strong chemistry because Roy Williams goes to his game sometimes, and Kobe White still sh- says and shows like Roy Williams – one of my greatest coaches of all time, did so much for me, even in his just one year playing for him. I will say this, it's still not the same as the guys that, the relationships that he had with Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks, Marcus Page, all those guys of those national uh, championship teams. So uh, was, was uh, May. Uh, Luke May. Luke, Luke May. May. Five years. Five years played. Yeah, Luke May. May was there forever. And then, you know, it was uh, earlier this week was, or was it last week that was like the uh, two to three year anniversary of what, uh, when Luke May hit that, the the buzzer, the oh, buzzer beater. Shot. Last guy, like no one imagines Luke May taking the shot at the last second, but Luke May took it, hit it, sent him to the Final Four over Kentucky. Love that game, um, but yeah, those relationships with the coach aren't there as much with when you have those one and dones, and that's what Roy Williams has always produced was those long term mm-hmm. relationships, and that's why I feel like the success for Duke and North Carolina was such long term and why they had such so many great teams was because players stayed. And now this factor comes in where they just want to leave and get their money. And it's not the same anymore. You know, and it's, I hate to see, say that. It's just like, because now you're basically just relying off their high school talent and then what you can do for them within a year span to try and make a national championship team. And it's just, it's not the same. It really isn't. So, yeah, and Roy Williams making the announcement on uh, April Fool's, no less, and it, it really, it really was one of those things. It was hard to believe at first, but at the same time, I, 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 after a little bit of research, you know, making sure that it wasn't a joke, it was actually real. I'm not surprised either. And now you wonder, okay, Coach K, how long is he going to be around? Um, Coach Jim Beheim, how how much longer is he going to stick around? These are coaches who have been with the same schools for such a long time, over 30 years easily. In fact, I think. Uh, Bayheim's been with Syracuse for almost 40 years. Coach K's been with Duke for almost 40 years. It's incredible how long these coaches have spent time at their same schools. But at some point, eventually, these coaches are going to step aside. So who replaces 
these legendary coaches. I think at Syracuse, it's going to be Jerry McNamara. Uh, he, he was a legend from Syracuse who won a national championship with Carmelo Anthony uh, back when he was a freshman. He was one of those coaches that he was one of those players that played his whole career at Syracuse, and then he didn't make it in the NBA, so he came back and he started coaching at Syracuse. I think Jerry McNamara is sort of the guy that would take over for Syracuse uh, when all is said and done. Then you have you know Coach K, who's primed to take his position. It would have to be a big-name coach. It yeah. would have to be somebody who has won championships or can win a championship, is primed to do it. That's, and that's the thing. That's what's so tough here is that I can almost guarantee – Nobody, and this is for Duke and North Carolina, nobody is in these athletic departments anymore that was a part of them when these coaches were hired. So they don't have any idea of how to go about this situation, really, because these shoes are the equivalent of Nick Saban leaving Alabama. Like, that's basically what it is. I mean, who do you put there? You really don't know because they're such big shoes. Their legacies are, are tremendous. It's it, it's a tough situation. I'm I'm curious to see who it will be. Um, it might just be. I in my opinion, it might be a small school, small small school coach like Porter Moser from Loyola who might get hired to North Carolina, and you know it might be a similar situation for Duke. And you know I'm also questioning when's Jim Beheim when he's gonna when is he leaving too? You know because his days are also starting to dwindle just as yeah. much as Roy Williams and Coach K. You know, these three legendary coaches, and then Coach Izzo, he's up there as well. When when will their days be done? And then what do you do about those coaches? Because the reason why they're still there, even though, because they can have their bad seasons. They're not going to, their jobs is as secure as secure can be. It's like a baby seat in a car, almost. That's how secure it is. Yeah, they, they, they don't, they don't get fired. They, even if they have a bad, if they, they can have a couple of bad seasons. They don't even get asked to resign. They they sort of let them determine what they want to do. Unless there's a scandal happening, those coaches are secure. They're not going anywhere. And also, I don't think they're ever really going to have that bad of teams. I know Coach K had a bad season this year. Don't think it's going to happen next year. He'll yeah. be fine. I, I think that Coach K has another national championship, or at least Final Four run in, in him, for sure. And Jim Beheim, I hope he does too, but certainly the years year. are almost. I thought Almost, year, so I thought close. this year could have been. Uh, it, it was close for him and for Duke. We'll see. And but Justin, like you said, their their years have to be limited. But uh, we're going to take a timeout. Uh, but we, we did want to mention co- Coach Roy Williams and what he has meant to the game of basketball, what he's meant to Kansas and North Carolina, just the coach that he has been to, just to the game of basketball in general. Uh, what a career he has had. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we have the final four tonight. I am ready. Justin's ready. Ren, I hope, is ready because it's basketball time. Let's do this. This is ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Turn it up! Somebody save your soul because you've been sinning in the city. You know too many troubles, all these lovers got you losing control. Let's call 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. The final four is today. And it 
gets underway with Houston and Baylor tipping off at 414, specifically 414. That's when it'll be on CBS. And then following that game, you have UCLA and Gonzaga. We'll start with game one, though, Houston and Baylor. So Baylor is a is a phenomenal team. They are the number one seeded team. Not they're not the number one overall seeded, but they're a number one seeded team. They have a twenty six and two record, and yet throughout the season, it seemed like they barely got any attention. But also, look at the team they're playing. Houston, they went twenty eight and three. They're a two seed, and I barely heard anything about them throughout the entire season. And now they're facing off against each other. One of these teams is going to go to the national championship. Baylor hasn't been to the championship. I don't think they've ever won a championship. Houston has never won a championship, but yet they are the the old school team that used to be Phi Slamma Jamma, which I watched that documentary the other day. It's a really good documentary. I think this Final Four in general, we are going to be treated to something real special. Well, the thing is, it's... Uh... I think the only team in the Final Four that has a national championship is the team that's the lowest seed in UCLA. Yeah, UCLA is an 11 seed. They had to do the first four game against Michigan State, which went to overtime. They fought and clawed their way all the way to the Final Four. They are the fifth 11 seed to ever make it to the Final Four. No 11 seed has ever made it to the championship game, by the way. So 0-5 or 0-4 so far in appearances. I think the previous teams include George Mason, VCU, which also played in the first four. Uh, they sound, they, it uh, sounds like Loyola. Loyola. Trying yeah. to, who is the other 11 seed? That I think Syracuse. Yeah, no, Syracuse a couple of years ago. Syracuse right. a couple of years ago. I think they lost to either Villanova or Michigan. Was it that one? It might have been Michigan. They lost to. That's a, you know that's a good flashback. Maybe we can look that up. But UCLA, it's hard to it's hard to look at them as a Cinderella because they are also the winningest team in the tournament. They have eleven national championships. No other team has eleven national championships in college basketball. UCLA does, and they're back in the Final Four as an eleven seed, taking on the team that I, in my opinion, is the best basketball team in the country. That's Gonzaga. They have been the most consistent team throughout the entire tournament. The way that they are able to just with ease score against you. UCLA, from the very get-go, does have their hands full. This Baylor-Houston game, I look at these two teams as complete equals. We should be treated to a really good basketball game. UCLA, I think, has just enough dog in the fight where they're going to keep it close. But I'm already telling you, I have Gonzaga winning this one. I think Gonzaga is going to move on to the national title. You know... And we have to give our championship predictions before the end of the show. Yeah, I want I want you to win because I just love a good history moment and an upset. But Gonzaga's been due for it the entire time. I mean, uh, by the way, Joy was LSU, George Mason, uh, VCU, Loyola, and I believe that's all of them. It was there. The UCLA is the fifth team. Yep. To so make yeah, it. that's all of them. I think Syracuse was probably a ten seed or something like that when they made it to the Final Four. No, they they, were, I think they just they went to the Elite Eight. I think that's what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they they went to the Elite Eight last week. Yeah. So it wasn't the first time that Jim Beheim's been in that position, but still, um, I want UCLA to win, just because I love good history moments. Do I think they're going to win? No. It's Gonzaga, and this team's just been nothing but unstoppable. 
Um, UCLA has gotten their lucky moments in. They've hit, they've hit their shots. They've made moments happen. They had to go to overtime with Alabama. And a great clutch shot that was. But they're no team that Gonzaga is, that's for sure. I don't care who the blue blood is here. I don't care who has the national championships. This is this season. It does not matter what your history is. That's what makes March March. You know, I wanted Alabama to win. I, I kind of didn't want them to because the last team to win a basketball and football championship in the same year was Florida. When Florida had overall, Florida had great sports in general yeah. during that time in the mid the the mid two thousands. But I don't know. I just wanted Alabama to to do it. I wanted them to move on because when you have UCLA and Alabama, UCLA historically is a phenomenal basketball program. They're a blue blood. They're they are the the definition of a blue blood school. They just haven't really played to that standard in the last. 10 years well now they make it to the to the championship and or the uh, the final four at least they're a game away from the championship so now you look at it this way as an 11 seed does ucla do you count this as a cinderella run for ucla or are cinderella's reserved only for schools like loyola or vcu no i don't think so because this, the thing is i that's what i i, I always hate this is that when people base a season and a run off the history of a program, which I'm like, these kids weren't even alive when this team won its national championships. So it has nothing to do with them. Let them be them. Don't let the, don't let the school's history make them who they are. Let them represent who they are. So this is a Cinderella team. I don't care that they're a blue blood. Yeah, they've been here before, but these kids haven't. So that's what the whole difference of this story is. Mm -hmm. They are the Cinderella here. It doesn't matter what the school has done in the past. It matters what their season has been this year. You know, like it's like Kentucky made it to the championship game as an eight seed, what, back in 2014, 2015? Yeah. And I had a hard time looking at Kentucky as a Cinderella because they won the championship two years prior to that. They had been to the championship a handful of times before, and Coach Calipari, a great basketball coach. And Kentucky actually had started that season as the number one team in the nation. They started the year the number one team in the nation, but they got off to a really bad start, and then they got into a groove, and then they went into a great run, and it the, and led them to go all the way to the championship game. They did lose to UConn, which UConn was a seven seed. They're the only seven seed to ever win a championship. I couldn't consider UConn a Cinderella run because historically they're a great basketball school. So I, it's hard to call these teams, you know, Cinderella's when historically they aren't they actually still recruit really good players they just don't always put it all together and win championships but why should the, why should the history of the school represent these players now because that's just that's that's exactly what it is these are tradition rich schools UCLA John Wooden right they won 11 titles just under that guy alone they went 10 years in a row winning only championships and then you have to follow up that legacy from there and UCLA has been back to the national championship since then I think the most recent one they went to was 2006 when they lost to Florida mm -hmm. and they had some awesome players on that team, way. like Kevin Love and uh, uh, Russell Westbrook was on that team. Us, us as Florida fans, though, must uh, thank UCLA, though, because they kept our record alive of being still the only school to win the football and basketball national championship exactly. in the same year. So thank you, UCLA. Which they took down Alabama last week. Yep. And you do want a good, you do want a good 
run, right? You want the 11 seeds to do it. I'm just saying I would be a lot more ecstatic about this if this was a team like, oh, let me just throw out a random team. Like like, like Oral Roberts, right, was a like an inch short from making it to the Elite Eight. I'm head over heels for teams like that. When it comes to teams like UCLA, you know, who've been there, it's 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 cool. The players that are on that team, like, they lost nine games during the season. At one point, you know, they were struggling. It wasn't going their way. But somehow they got it all put together, and now they're winning at the right time. And that's UCLA's story this year. I just can't qualify them as a Cinderella when historically they are the best college basketball team ever. It's just, in my opinion... I, I still just don't understand this, is that these players have nothing to do with the history. And that's what I, that's why I just can't look at them the same. It's just like what we're seeing here is a team that struggled all the way throughout the season, comes to the big moments, and they're here. They're here in the Final Four. That's a Cinderella. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what how many national championships they won under Wooden. It does not matter. This team was not a team that anyone images being in this position – during the beginning, middle, or end of the regular season. And that's why they're a Cinderella, because they've made it to the big ball. All right? doesn't matter what their history is. This is based off this season only. Not last year. Not the year before, and not the you know hundred, not the 100 years prior to that. It's based off this season, and that's what makes them a Cinderella. I know the history of the Blue Bloods. Yeah, it's there. But the thing is, this... What I view as a Cinderella is not the Blue Bloods and not the history. What I view as a Cinderella is that you were the underdog. You were the team that no one had any idea you'd be here. No one had any sort of thought or image. You were just a team that was like, you're going to lose in the round of 64 or 32. And you're here in the Final Four, and that's why you're a Cinderella. And you know what? I watched and I, I I watched this documentary now at least once a year, especially during March Madness, but survive in advance. Yeah. That's the run of NC State going to the national championship, winning it all on the buzzer beater. Indiana State, or sorry, well, Indiana State actually, when they when Larry Bird was there, that would have been a, that, I, would, I would consider that a Cinderella run because actually at the time they were, pardon me, they were the best team in all of college basketball at the time, but it's Indiana State. It, it's such a small-name school, but they had Larry Bird. Teams like North Carolina State, who, who don't have that tradition-rich basketball, and they had won a national championship in the 70s. And so they were sort of trying to get back to that. And they just weren't a great team. They had 10 losses. Like, no, like teams that have 10 losses aren't supposed to win championships. And NC State, as a sixth seed, a team that really was not looked at at all to win it all, they end up doing it. To me, that's a really good Cinderella story. Yeah. And UCLA, where they do have that tradition they do have the history behind it. And you're right. You know, the players, those players weren't a part of that. They weren't even born when that stuff was going on. So they have nothing really to do with it other than they play for UCLA. And those players managed to put it all together and managed to make a run. But I still cannot call it a Cinderella story. Cinderella is supposed to be the one that wasn't even supposed to be at the ball, right? They no were. one knew who this person were, but people know the name UCLA. They know the name UCLA, but the thing is they only know it for what they were back in the 70s and 80s. They don't know them for now. But that they the, know, the 11 now. titles will always stick with you. Here, okay, here, here's the thing. I want to put this in the image. You image Cinderella. Because what is Cinderella? She was a... She was a she was the daughter of 
I believe the well, I I don't really know the story that well, but I know. I, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? Really? What? I you know what you're trying to tell know, me what Cinderella's know, about, no, no, no. and I then you're like, no, I really stop. don't know I the don't story. Know, I don't know what her dad was to the stepmom. I don't know any of that. But the thing is, I know that Cinder was for the reason because she well, it was a furnace, I believe, that she lived in, and she was always covered in ashes. She was raggedy. That, that, that's basically yeah, what I'm, she was treated like garbage. Basically, basically what I'm imaging. Yeah. That's that's the image I tried to put out. She was raggedy, covered in ashes, dirty as can be, and you know she did not have a great image, right? She, when you looked at her, it's like it's not pretty, it's not good, it's not a good look. That's UCLA's regular season, and then they want to go to the big ball. They're here at the big dance, yeah. And here they are showing out here in the final four. That's Cinderella covered in it, beautiful. There's my and there's my imagery, and I know I don't know the story of Cinderella that well. I didn't really care for princesses growing up and all that. But the thing is, it's still true. Uh, that's my image. Is Cinderella is the reason why she was named Cinderella mm. was because she was, you know, basically a maid who was always covered in in dirt and ashes, and because she always worked in the basement. How do you know the Cinder part, but you don't know the like I don't what know. Cinderella is? I don't. I don't know. That's like the weirdest part to know. Uh, yeah, but it, it's a significant part that you see. You see my imagery. Yeah, is that she? Her name was based off because just how dirty she was always was, and then she gets to the big dance and. She's dressed as this beautiful princess, and now it's just like the big dance here at UCLA. During the regular season, not pretty, not good, raggedy as can be. Get to the big dance, and they are just showing out. Mm. Everyone's attention is on them. Yeah, and and you know what? I don't. I know where you're coming from. I think I. Can. I, I know. I and you know what? Well played. I still completely disagree with the terminology Cinderella applied to teams that historically are great like UCLA, but you can't apply it to Gonzaga. Gonzaga isn't a Cinderella by any means. They've actually been a really good team for 20 years since Mark Few took over. He's led Gonzaga to the tournament every single year. I so you can't, so you certainly can't call that. I'm not. Gonzaga, I'm not, well, I'm not either, but go, but with that, I do want Gonzaga to win. They've never won a championship. Mark Few is such a good coach. Gonzaga was nothing until Few took over. It's like over at UConn, Gina Ariema. And when he arrived, UConn had one winning season yeah. when he arrived. And then next thing you know, he turned them to the powerhouse that they are today. Gonzaga is a school where they don't really have anything else to, to be too proud of when it comes to sports. And then Mark Few arrives, which actually he, he, he played at Oregon, started his career at Gonzaga and stayed there. He started his career in the 80s at Gonzaga and stayed there, been a head coach since 1999. He, he, has, he has completely turned the program around and turned them into a recognizable name. And now also the really good players actually want to go to Gonzaga. They're not trying to go to Duke or North Carolina. I mean, a lot of them still are, but a lot of those really good players are going to Gonzaga. And that team has culminated into what could possibly be the next great blue blood. Well, you've seen the facilities there. I mean, the facilities are mind-boggling. Yeah. But Gonzaga, they've been a powerhouse for many years. And going into this year, ranked top three, been number one. Everyone expects them to be here. Everyone expects them to be in the Final Four. Everyone expects them to be in the National Championship, and everyone expects them to win. They're expected to be here. Was Cinderella expected to be at this ball? No. They he wasn't. Just how UCLA was not expected to be in the Final Four. Hey, look, 
we could argue about this all day long, but what we know for a fact is that these two games are happening. We're going to give our predictions on these games and the championship game coming up at the end of the program. But first, we got to take a timeout. You're listening to Sports Call, Davis and Justin with Wren on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Davis Allen, time for a quick shot of sports. sung with you but i'd have ruined it <laughs> although I would- so, so uh, i do a quick shot of sports on news radio 92.3 that's our sister station and did not plan on doing it but it was opening day and on my first quick shot i sang take me out to the ball game and you notice at the very beginning i didn't start singing until like the out to the ball game i i skipped the take part because i i decided in that split moment i'm gonna sing it just the entire one so i sang take me out to the ball game sounded terrible by the way but i have no regrets because it was opening day and baseball's back so it deserved a little bit of celebration full seasons of baseball are back by the way so you know that's something that we love to see with fans in the stadium correct good to see can't wait for the rangers to play because i just want to see a packed stadium again here in america um, might not be the smartest idea, but who knows? Uh, we're just going to see how it happens and see how it plays out. Uh, there might be regrets, and uh, yeah. Yep. Might yep. be. Might be. I hope not. I hope everybody gets their, their, uh, their vaccine. Which, by the way, I have a theory, and I'm not a doctor, obviously. Theories with Davis Allen. Here we go. Here we go. Davis Allen Theories. That should be the next sponsor. All right. Even for the people who decide they don't want to get a vaccine, I'm not going to get mad at you. It's a little frustrating, I'll be honest, when we have this pandemic and there's a proven vaccine out there and you say, no, I'm not going to get it. That's a little frustrating, right? But now my new theory is this. I'm twisting it. So I'm getting it. And I think a lot of other people are getting it. I'm not even going to ask you all if you're going to get it. If you don't want to, it's whatever. Uh, I, I am getting it on Tuesday. But for those that decide not to get it, they're probably going to get COVID or probably probably previously had it and so now they can build up antibodies and they will essentially be immune to covid so now even if they decide not to get the vaccine they'll have antibodies and then a lot of us are going to have the vaccine and we're not going to be spreading covid so it's not going to get passed on to other people so i think that that's my theory we're going to be just fine when it comes to having the uh, COVID or, or having the vaccine or not having the vaccine, eventually we're going to be in a position where it's almost like herd immunity, but people are vaccinated. And for those that aren't vaccinated, they'll develop some antibodies and they'll be good to go. So there you go. That's my twist on it. I'm not going to get frustrated by people that decide not to get vaccined because I think most people are. So there you go. That's my theory. Um, well, huh. You're th- okay. So your theory is, I want to hear the exact theory once again. Was Basically, most people are going to get the vaccine, and for those that don't get it, they're going to be fine because those that are vaccinated aren't going to pass it on. And if you are not vaccinated, you still get COVID, and ultimately, the, ultimately you should be okay, especially if you're a healthy human being. 
then even if you get it, you're going to have minimal symptoms, and then you're going to have antibodies, and then you're not going to pass it on, and you're not going to get sick from there. Correct. So eventually it'll all play out. Yeah, eventually I think it'll be that small group of people that don't get vaccined or vaccinated, they're going to build up herd immunity quicker. It's kind of like... That's um, where I'm at. It's kind of like... Uh, so basically there's people... The ones who are very heavy mask wearers, the ones who make sure they have their mask on everywhere they go, they follow protocols everywhere they go. And they're the ones that want the vaccines. They're going to make sure they get the vaccines ASAP. Yes. And then you have the ones who are against it. You know, they don't like the mask mandates. Anywhere that they're not required to wear a mask, they're not wearing a mask. Yeah. Well, there's also, they're like, there uh, are people out there who are complete conspiracy theorists and they think that the, the they think that this was all government oriented yes. that it was originally something or the people that believe that china is truly at fault by this and i, I mean, you know put well, all those feelings you, aside you believe, it, believe what, believe what you want and, and those people are also the most frustrated when it comes to their freedoms getting pulled away and they don't want to get the vaccine because they believe that uh, the vaccine is going to put a, some kind of chip inside of you now they can track you for, for okay first off get off the internet yeah for um, for the love of god go find a hobby please go for a walk it's the facts are there. Well, let's just say that the facts are there. I will say this though: um, the ones that and the, so those ones that they're the, any time they don't have to wear a mask, they're not wearing a mask. They're probably not going to get the vaccine. Well, basically, in a way, everyone's going to be happy. I would, in my opinion, because the ones that want that are, you know, who are the most fearful, they're going to get their vaccines. The ones who aren't scared and are living their normal life as much as they possibly can, they're not going to get it. So in a way, the reason why these are so fearful are the ones are the ones that are enforcing these mandates and enforcing the ones that wear the mask. They're the reasons why we have the mask mandates because they're so scared. So I wouldn't say scared. They're just, you know, doing life, you know, safe. I guess you're being cautious, which I'm not going to knock on them for that. So if they have their vaccines, then they don't have to wear their mask anymore. And then the ones who don't ha- who don't want to wear a mask, eventually they're just going to they won't have to wear a mask because everyone that had to wear a mask and was enforcing those mask mandates, they are, well, they had the vaccines. So in a way, it's all just going to work its way through. That was a really long term, and I think some people might still be lost in what I just said because I'm kind of still lost in what I just said there. But anyways, in in a way, I was kind of backing up your theory. It's in a way, it's all going to work its way through, in my opinion. Yeah, I think ultimately things are going to be just fine. We're so close to normalcy, and we're going to be back to watching baseball games, football games. And I mentioned it before because the Blue Wahoos aren't playing until May, which, by the way, big announcement coming out here in the next couple of days. It's really nothing new. We the announce, Just to get ahead of it, the announcement is that the Blue Wahoos and ESPN Pensacola have partnered for another season, and we're going to be doing it and you'll see a picture of Chris Gargiola and I in there it's it was fun I, I got to call some high school baseball games by the way last weekend that was a lot of fun with Chris but that's the announcement just to go ahead and get out in front of it but yeah uh I I think that we're gonna have 100% fan capacity, and there's probably gonna be a lot of people that come to the first few games and then as the season goes on it's gonna naturally thin out people are gonna they're, they have work the next day, so they can't go to baseball games. Yep. But then there are going to be games where it's Friday night. It's a beautiful night. It's 80 degrees, not a breeze out there, and you just want to kick back and have a beer and watch a good baseball game, and that's probably going to be a packed night. But it's going to be awesome. That's my theory. When we come back from this break, it's prediction time. 
We're going to let you know who we think are going to win in the Women's National Championship and in the Men's Final Four and National Championship. Women's Sunday, men's are going to be on Monday. That is next on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 91 FM. It was 1990. We have one minute to get this done, Justin and Ren. So let's start first off Sunday. We have the national championship between Arizona and Stanford for the women's college basketball national championship. Arizona, Stanford, five o'clock tip off on ESPN. Who do you have? Give me Zona, man. They knocked off UConn. They got to win it all now. Stanford. I'm going to go Arizona. They're, they have a chip on their shoulder. They were yeah. left out of the Final Four video. Come on, NCAA. How do you keep dropping the ball when it comes to women's sports, by I know, the way? It's so bad. This is ridiculous. It's so bad. And then you leave out Arizona. That that just gives them every reason to have their shining moment. Yeah. So let's go. I'm going for Arizona. Let's go there. All right. So tonight, we have two basketball games. First, we have Houston and Baylor. That's going to be a 4-14 tip-off on CBS. Baylor, a five-point favorite. Who do you have? Give me Baylor, and I also kind of bunk because I should have. Uh, we could have done one shining moment as a bumper music song. We could have. We we, we, we dropped the ball there. Should have. We, I, dropped, I the like, I we like, dropped the ball. We dropped the ball. Not as much as the NCAA though. Um, yep. We, we we are doing good there. All right. I, I like Houston. Give me Houston. Fly slam pajama is back. I already said I like Gonzaga. Give me Gonzaga. All right. That means Gonzaga and Houston. Who do we have? Or I would have Gonzaga and Houston. You would I don't have care. Gonzaga's Gonzaga. just going to win it all either way. Yeah. Gonzaga's winning it all. All right, Justin and I are on our way to the driving range to go hit some golf balls. In the meantime, do exactly what you want to do. It's Saturday, and we'll see you next week. Justin and Rand will handle the show. I'll be swimming with some manatees. Peace.